And it is now my pleasure to present our spiritual leader who is always in his gift zone. I hear he was just blazing saddles this morning in the 10 o'clock service. I'm sure we'll hear that again. Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. It's good when I turn the button on. You can hear me better. All right. So I'm going to invite you to take a big, deep breath with me. And if you do another one, if you like, this is optional, by the way. You can stop breathing for all I care. But I, no, I do care you keep breathing. Um, but if you take the next breath you take in, let, let a little sigh come out with it. So I'm going to invite you to decide as we go into this song and this prayer, are you choosing love in this moment or fear? Because it's your choice. It's my choice. So let's choose love. Just for the next hour or so, let's choose love. If you'd like to stand and sing, please feel free. If not, stay seated. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through your every fear. For spirit, one spirit, So know with me, one life, one power, one infinite divine activity. That life, that power, that activity is the activity of the infinite, the divine spirit. That life is my life, speaking in the I am for each person here. So I claim that, know that, live from that, and in that knowing and in that declaration and affirmation, I raise my vibration to a vibrant, powerful, wonderful level of life, of creativity, of freedom, of joy, of health, of vibrancy. And so, perfect expression of life, in and through and as, my experience. And whatever that vibrational tone is, I match it. And when I forget, I direct this infinite intelligence within me to remind me, and immediately, and instantaneously inform me, support me, resource me, in lifting that vibration once again. And so I stand in the fluidity, and the welcome, and the inspiration, and the love, and the celebration of life, here today. Everything in divine right order, I give thanks, and together we say, and so it is. Please be seated. Thank you, Brown. 
So <clears throat> we're using this wonderful book. This is an old copy. There's, there's uh, several of these in the bookstore. It's called Living the Science of Mind. And a number of people by Dr. Ernest Holmes, Living the Science of Mind. And it's a wonderful book because it's very short chapters. And it, he really is quite clear about uh, our teaching. And, there, and there's all kinds of, of great information and insight into what we do. We are ancient wisdom, new thought. We, we don't teach anything new. Nothing new has come along for a long time. This, what we teach has been around forever. But it's, it's interesting to watch it unfold and be expressed on the planet. And Dr. Holmes, in this, uh, on page 58, it's called A Brief History of New Thought, says that no doubt our new thought began with the life and the teachings of Phineas P. Quimby. And Quimby was born in 1802. He died in 1866, so he died right after the American Civil War had concluded. Probably one of the few original thinkers of the ages. Through the, and what Quimby discovered and, and articulated, through a process of thought and experiment, he came to believe that mind is matter in solution. Mind is matter in solution. And matter is mind in form. So mind is matter in solution. So solution, it, it's liquid. And so that's why our thinking is so important. The quality of our thinking is so important because it influences the solution. And then what happens as a result is eventually it outpictures in our lives. And then mind is matter in form. So it starts out in the solution, but it can only respond to the subjective nature of our consciousness. And that's why it's important to wake up and stay awake. And that's our journey. Quimby was an amazing guy. He helped thousands of people. He was a renowned uh, he was a, considered a healer of his time, and he influenced all of the, the teachers that came after him. He was a, a New England uh, clockmaker, so he was very precise in his approach to how things worked, the systematic approach. He said that he, he was the first one to speak of the Christ principle of the science of Christ. It was he who first called Jesus a, a scientific as well as an inspired soul. He said that mind is form and mind is solution are one and the same. And perhaps in the same sense that Einstein said that energy and mass are equal, identical, and interchangeable. Quimby reasoned that since disease is a belief or an opinion, it can be changed through changing the belief or the opinion. He was not afraid of either because he knew that they were mind. He did not say that they did not exist, for he never denied the reality of disease. He said, I appear, I love this, I appear as an attorney for my patient, who is the plaintiff. And I explain that he is suffering from a false belief. He is a spiritual being, and all the opinions that are held against him have no right to be. He then said, you asked me what is my cure, and I answer that my explanation is the cure. For if I have completely explained the disease away, then the patient will not have it. So in other words, what Quimby knew was that because mind is in solution, and then mind takes shape in matter, in form, that he would, he would allow the, the, the plaintiff to borrow his consciousness, and he would argue for the, the truth of being, and that's what practitioners do. That's spiritual mind treatment. So we show up, and we have a limited idea, or we've got some repetitive thought that keeps us in a certain experience, and then there's a, the opportunity to, to shift or change that. If we fast forward to contemporary thinking, so Quimby talked about this back in, you know, in the early 1800s, uh, and he, influ he influenced uh, uh, Mary Baker Eddy, who launched the Christian science movement. And then she influenced Emma Curtis Hopkins, who became the teacher of teachers for many of the New Thought people.
people that took this teaching, took the seeds of the possibility and planted seeds, Ernest Holmes and uh, the, oh, the, the sisters, that, uh, the Brooks sisters in Denver and all of these different movements uh, the, and the Fillmores in uh, Kansas City. The unity movement started in Kansas City. So if we fast forward, Bruce Lipton, if you go on the internet and Google Bruce Lipton, you'll see uh, some interesting information. And what Lipton has discovered, he's a, he's a scientist, he's an, uh, a teacher, and what he has been doing is been teaching in medical schools for a number of years. He said one of the interesting things is a new idea with the medical community emerges about 10 or 15 years after it has been, uh, been realized. It takes about that long for the ideas to be incorporated into the culture. And he said, 10 years ago, what I used to teach was that, that the, uh, the genes were all born with a certain set of genes. And we now know, and he's done extensive research, how important it is in the prenatal state for babies. Because parents really uh, imprint babies with specific gene tendencies. And so we're born, we're, we are, we are already been domesticated by how our parents raised us. And so he used to teach that when you're born with a certain set of genes, that's it, you're stuck. And he said as he's done the research and looked at it and looked at it, he realized that we are set up just like a cell. We are a community of cells. We're, there's amoeba upon amoeba upon amoeba that, that build this particular physical form. All of us are, are this. And, and, and there's a certain order to it. And there's a certain intelligence to it. <clears throat> now what happens with a cell, if you re, re, remove the nucleus from a cell, well, if you remove, a, if you move, remove the, the nucleus was considered the brain of the cell. So if we have our brain removed, what happens? You what? You fall down, Sue said. Correct. If you have your brain removed, you die. You die. But with a cell, if you take the nucleus out of the cell, the cell will continue to function. So they know that the nucleus is not the brain of the cell. It's very interesting. And, he's, and, and so what happens with, with at the, that biological level is that it's not true that we're born with a certain tendency. You know, we, we may come from a family that has a tendency or demonstrated a tendency to, to live with cancer or with an addiction, with alcohol or whatever it may be. But he said that what influences a cell is perception. So a cell, if you just have a cell that you're studying, perception, the, the, the environment influences it as well and, and, and how it interacts with, with, other part, uh, with other cells. With human beings, what our perception is, is belief. And so we are able, as thinking seeds of possibility, to change our perception by changing our belief, which influences the nature of our cells. So it's exactly what Quimby was writing about in the early 1800s. That mind is in solution, and mind is also in form. It's just very interesting to watch. You know, here's Bruce Lipton that said, you know, I realized 10 years ago. Well, Quimby realized that, and he said, all of a sudden I've gone from being a hardcore scientist to being kind of this new thought, leading edge way of thinking. It's very interesting. The other thing he says is that we have the body, he, for sake of the, and I know that I'm, you know, not serving this well, but for the sake of the uh, argument, he talks about the visceral uh, center of the body, which is the heart and the liver and all the organs and the things that are basically make up our, our chest cavity and where all the organs are. He said, I have the visceral and then we have the, the limbs. And when we are under stress, what happens is the blood constricts in the visceral 
because we need it for survival and it goes into our arms and our legs and our feet and our hands so that we can run away from the tiger that's chasing us. It's a survival mechanism. And what happens when we're stressed is the, the blood moves from the frontal cortex, which we know gets fully activated or gets enlivened with energy and blood uh, through meditation practice. And they've measured it through the uh, various ways they, they uh, photograph uh, the imagery of the human body. So when we're stressed, all the blood goes to the back of the head, which is also survival. So when you're stressed, what happens is all the vital organs shut down a bit because they're getting less blood and, and, and the adrenaline kicks in so we can get away from the, the fear. We can get away from the danger. If you notice last week they had the election in the, the States and they had a, you know, there's a certain, I've talked a bit about it here, but it's an example of it with a Tea Party, for example. When you Google a Tea Party, it says they really don't have a platform, they're just very angry. And, and there's nothing wrong with that because people get scared and they do get angry. But when we're in that state of anger and agitation, we stop thinking. We can't think because we're in survival mode. And that's why spiritual practice is so important. Lipton was saying that when they do a transplant, when they do a, 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 you know, an organ transplant, what the scientists have figured out is how to suppress the visceral part of the body so that the body doesn't reject the, the organ. So what they do is they stress the, the viscera, which is, is less resistant, it's, and that's our immune system. So he says, his example of it is you go to university and you watch when students have testing coming. Tests are coming up or big events are coming up. And they get stressed. And before you know it, most of them are sick. They've got a cold or they've got the flu or they've got something else. But, and it's just a matter of, of understanding how our physio- physiology works. So it's, it's fascinating because the same thing Lipton's talking about from a scientific level is what Quimby was talking about. And so that's the, the beauty of spiritual practice. So we come together. We forget. We forget. And so what it, our opportunity is is to remind ourselves more often than not. In Mary Man and Morrissey's, we're doing the, the, the Prosperity Plus class with about, I don't know, 35 people are in this class. It's wonderful. And I wanted to share a couple ideas with you because I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a, I want to give you some practical tools and application around these ideas. Because what it is about is it's about lifting our vibration. It's about shifting our vi- vibrational tone. And that's what it really is. And it may sound kind of, you know, esoteric. What is he talking about? But you know. You know when you feel connected to something that's beyond you. You know when you feel inspired. And so she starts out this week in our lesson, and I know that we're going to flesh this out more at 4 o'clock today with our our group. And we're going to offer this class uh, a number of times, so don't worry about it if you haven't, haven't gotten in there. But it's wonderful information I wanted to share with you. But one of the things Mary starts out saying today, and James Allen, one of the great thinkers that, that has also supported our movement over the years, said, a quote, a particular train of thought persisted in, be it good or bad, cannot fail to produce its results on the character and circumstances. A particular train of thought persisted in, be it good or bad, cannot fail to produce its results on the character and circumstances. In other words, whatever we tend, our, our thought tendency will reproduce in our lives. If your mantra is that my life sucks, and you're sure of that, a particular train of thought persisted in, be it good or bad, cannot fail to produce its results on the character and circumstances. So the facts of your life may very well support that idea. But to continue to nurture the idea with your mental energy and your spiritual energy does not serve you. And it's so important to know that. Despite what happened, despite every good justification for saying that, 
or that things aren't working well, or it's this or this or this or this. We have spent a lot of time in that, in that Prosperity Plus writing a vision statement. In fact, I wrote mine several times, kept reading it to my wife, Laura, and she kept telling me it's not specific enough. Go back and do it again. Finally, I just figured out I'm going to stop reading this to her. I'll be much better off. I'll be much happier. <laughs> just withhold the information. But I still read it to her. But it's getting clear, but what do you love? What brings you to life? All of us have something we love. All, all of us have something that brings us to life, or we should. And if we don't, then there's where we start. Why am I stuck in this? Why am I stuck in this? Napoleon Hill said that any thought either revered or feared begins immediately to clothe itself in the most convenient substance possible. We are the most convenient substance possible, our consciousness. Any thought revered or feared begins immediately to clothe itself in the most convenient substance possible. That's why Mary says in this Prosperity Plus, we must feel our way into our vision. It's the feeling nature. If we sit down and say, I'm going to figure this out, the level that we figure things out at, as Einstein said, the level of consciousness that created the problem is not the level of consciousness that will move us through this and shift and change the facts. So Mary has five, five things. I'm going to share them with you really quickly, and we're going to flesh them out really well this afternoon. She has five things. I'm going to, does everybody have a hand? Anybody here without a hand today? Everybody's got one. Because you never know. Sometimes things happen. And everybody has five fingers on that hand, Correct? At least four of you have raised your hand, so I can tell a few of you are still with me here. Now, this is going to be fun. You're going to, it's the best time you're ever going to have all day long for the next uh, 12 minutes. So, yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. But she says that <clears throat> one of the things she does is she says uh, the first thing we must do each day is decide whether we're going to get up and go like this, thumbs up, or thumbs down. Thumbs up or thumbs down. In other words, we're invited to either be proactive or reactive. And most people are reactive. Most people step out, and then life starts happening to them. And that's okay, but there's a a larger way to live. There's a bigger way to live. Reason expands as we discover greater life, the greater use of our own mind. Reason expands as we discover greater use of our own minds. One of the great quotes from this program this week is Mary said that many people... Mary Manon Morrissey said, many people confuse mental activity with thinking. Ernest Holmes said, to learn, to learn how to think is to learn how to live. But many times we think because we've got chatter going on in our head, which is mental activity, we're thinking. We're not thinking. See, thinking involves creativity. Thinking involves uh, possibility. But if we're just saying the same thing over in our head over and over and over again, we're not thinking. We've just memorized something and we're repeating it. And that's why we have to wake up and say, wait a minute, this is not how I want to direct my life. This is not how I want to live. I want to get up each morning and put my thumb up and say, this is it. I am a mighty, moving, powerful force of the infinite on this planet expressing and creating in beautiful and powerful and wonderful ways. And I'm drawing to me all the resources and people that support me in my dream and my passion. And what I love continues to clarify itself in my experience. See, that's the conversation to have or something like that because then we're in the conversation with the infinite and it's a vibration. It's a frequency. We turn our frequency up. Instead of being in CNN or Fox News, we're in the Discovery Channel. We're in the Fairies, Nymphs, and and, and, uh, Wonder Channel, whatever it is, whatever channel we want to live in. It's there. It's the infinite mind of the one. 
And getting into that conversation is so important, but we can't do it. And if we get up each morning and go, thumbs down, thumbs down. I get up every Sunday morning and I say to myself, this is going to be the greatest talk I've ever given in my life. This is going to be the greatest talk I've ever given in my life. Now, how it unfolds may or may not measure, because how do you measure that? It's subjective. But the point is, if I get up and, and I say, thumbs down, man, I think I'll just go over and read the phone book today. It's going to be the worst talk I've ever given in my life. You know how long it would take to empty this place out? And, and so I know that. I know a lot of my preparation is just moving things out of the way, moving things out of the way, putting them down. So Mary says, first thing is get up, either a thumbs up or, or thumbs down. What would you love to do or create? Look for the good. Look for the good is what she says this week. And then what does Ernest Holmes say in Living the Science of Mind, our book of the month? He says, while there is a wide range of opinion among the new thought leaders, teachers, practitioners, and laymen, and there is, we don't all agree, which is great. It's one of our strengths. We don't all have to agree to, to, to apply these principles because it's subjective and personal. Your way may not be my way. My way might not be your way. But you know what? There's a way. And that's all you need to know. He says that this one underlying purpose runs through the entire movement, the immediate availability of good. Immediate availability of good. And good is just another word for God. It's got an extra O in there. The immediate availability of good. Conscious and practical application of spiritual thought force to the solution of human problems. The inevitable necessity that good shall come to every soul. The belief in immortality and the continuity of the individual stream of consciousness and eternal expansion of the individual life. The awakening. The awakening. Not to an absorption of ourselves into deity, but our complete unity with the wholeness. Thus, every person becomes an individualized center of God consciousness, eternally expanding. The new thought movement is metaphysical but not in a strict philosophical sense. Metaphysics in terms of new thought means a practical idealism, which emphasizes spiritual causation and the accessibility of spiritual mind power, acting in accordance with law and available to all people. From this standpoint, Christian metaphysics means the philosophy of the New Testament practiced as science. And so he was greatly influenced by the New Testament, by the life of Jesus and, and, and so he viewed that life as, as, as he viewed Jesus as a scientific thinker as well as an inspirational presence. But feeling into it, thumbs up. The second, so you use your second finger. Thumbs up. The second finger is the pointer finger. Point your way. Get up each day and point your way. This day, this is what I shall do. I shall live my life by design, not by default. Live my life by design, not by default. The word you bring to a situation, what you charge a condition with. We have been given dominion. We have been given, if you read in Genesis, he talks about you've been given dominion, which means that you are, it is our mandate to name everything. And name is nature. What was true then is true now. And so what we name it, it becomes. That's the dominion. That is what we've been given. We've been given free will and choice. You either choose it or your programming, my programming, your programming, will choose it for us. And that's when we go back to sleep. Most people live by default. They just go back to sleep. Or they've never woken up. They stay asleep. Victor Frankel. She tells a story this week of Victor Frankel. 
And Viktor Frankl wrote Man's Search for Meaning, and he was in a, a Nazi internment camp. He was a doctor, and he went there, and he and his wife were put in the camp. And he writes in the book about how he, they ran to the, she was being taken to the ovens that day, and she, he ran to the fence and grabbed her hand, held her hand. And they, uh, they pulled him apart, and he never saw her again. She was, she was killed. He, they kept him alive because he had skills. He was a medical doctor. And so then what they found is they found his manuscript. It was the last thing he had that connected him to the past. And they took that away. And they burned it. They had him standing before the, the whatever, the, the fellows that ran the camp. And they, they had no clothes on. He stripped naked. And all he's got left is his thin wedding band. And they pulled that off his finger. And took that away. And he said, when the, le- the, when the ring left his finger, he said, something, something activated in him. And he realized they can do all these things to me. But they cannot, they cannot influence or determine how I think, how I choose to think. And he said, I refuse to hate. I will refuse to hate. And despite losing his wife, losing the the last connections he had to the past, everything, he said, I will refuse to hate. Because he realized that he did not want to live in that vibration. He did not want to live in the consciousness of hatred. And he had every good reason. And I'm sure he was tempted to many times. And no one asked for that. He didn't control that. What he controlled was his response to the conditions. And if he can do that... I know that I can live with and I can control the conditions, how I respond to the conditions in my life. Because if I push back in hatred, I'm going to create more of it. And so that's, that's mindful living. It's a powerful story. It's the feeling tone. So pointing the finger, we point our way to this day I shall live in love or I'll live in fear. They just had the election in the States, the Tea Party. You know, their, their platform is hatred and fear. And if, in fact, right now you elect somebody, and if everything doesn't change in two years, let's get rid of them and get somebody else in there. But as long as fear persists, chaos will persist, and, and it'll continue to play itself out and play itself out and play itself out. It's the way it works. But it's so easy to get angry. And when we get angry, as Bruce Lipton said, we stop thinking. And Dr. Holmes said to learn how to think is to learn how to live. So we've got to stop, stop just letting that repetitive stuff run in our head. Mental activity is not thinking. That's why we need spiritual practice. That's why we need meditation. That's why we need to be inspired. That's why we need community to speak these truths and stand proud. Everyone stand proud in who you are and whose you are. You are the infinite. You are the infinite in physical form with the opportunity this day to plant seeds that have never, never been planted. You know, and, and he wish you could get people's attention enough to say, folks, I get it, you're frustrated, and your life isn't working. But to continue to feed that with the negativity and the anger is not going to move you forward. We have the information. Quimby wrote about it in the 1800s. Bruce Linton's writing about it now. But it's much easier to just fall into the trap of our emotions and stay stuck there. You know, my, I'm pre- my family, we were all depressed, and I'm just carrying on the legacy of depression. The third finger. You all know the third finger. Sometimes when you go through the traffic circle, someone will salute you with that peace sign with just one finger. The third finger is sending away diminished thoughts. Sending away diminished thoughts. 
when they show up. So when we start to fall back into the old patterns, when we start to go back into default, just flicking, flicking them away. So if I see you walking down the street this week and you're going like this, I'll know what you're doing. <laughs> you're doing your spiritual practice. You don't have to use the arms, I guess. You just stand there going like that. And flicking it away. Jesus said there's many mansions in the Father's house. And that comes from Luke, and Luke was a Greek. And mansions means dimensions. So we must unbind our minds from the past, from those dimensions that limit us. It's easier said than done, but it's possible. And she goes on and on about forgiveness in that particular segment that we're going to look at today. And forgiveness is just so important. Forgiveness of self, forgiveness of self. Forgiveness has nothing to do with anybody else. Fourth finger, the ring finger, means going forth. Each day is a a unique centerpiece of possibility. Have each interaction, have each interaction be one of increase, shift to increase, shift to increase. Lifting up, lifting up, lifting up. Boy, since we've been doing this, every, every store I go into, every interaction I have, I'm looking for something to just be a, a lifter upper with people. It's fascinating because we forget sometimes. We get so, oh, I've got to get here, i got to get there, i got to get there. You go in, how are you doing today? And thank you for being here. I was over at the fast gas the other day talking to the kids. It's, you know, I mean, what a gift. There's somebody actually shows up and stands behind that counter all day long and waits for me to come and buy gas. I mean, all those little things are so easy to, to think about. I'm just so grateful for that. You go up to Safeway, there's people there. You can buy groceries. I don't have to go find the, I don't have to go with a bow and arrow or a shotgun or whatever. I can go buy food right there. And I'm so grateful for those people. I'm so grateful for teachers. Have you, anybody been watching that uh, reality program with Tony Danza, Teach? Oh, my God. Teachers. God bless you. It is. I told Laura, she was a teacher. I said, it's a marathon. It's a mar- I mean, it's such a wonderful series because he's messing up all the time. He's just messing up all, and it's so real. And he's just, he's, you know, he just breaks down in front of the class one day, so I can't do this anymore, and he walks out. Because these kids are just, they're so creative, and they're, they're just all got their issues going on. You know, Sandra, you know, there's a lifelong teacher. It's a marathon. You start, you've got, you got a year to go. And to watch what goes on there, oh, my God, the appreciation. And, the, and the, the forgiveness I have to do for myself for all the animosity and terror I created for my teachers when I was in school. <laughs> but to go forth is a person of increase. It's the fourth finger. And then, the, and then, then the, the little finger, the last one on the hand, is to appreciate the little things. We just talked about that. Appreciate the little things. And why do we do that? Because it's powerful, powerful practice. Is gratitude puts us into the consciousness, the vibration of abundance. Gratitude, you want to get more abundant in your life? Get grateful for everything. For the clothes you have on and the relationships you had and the people that have betrayed you and the people that love you and all the forgiveness work you get to do. See, that's an opportunity. When you start waking up, none of it, none of it, you know, in a thousand years, nobody's going to care anyway. Have you noticed that? But it's very important right now to be, to be present in our lives and to love our lives. And to, and to know that the right and perfect people are being drawn into our experience and we're drawn to the right and perfect people to continue to grow and to nurture and to develop and expand and also to celebrate who and what we are right now. It's not a job. It shouldn't be a task that we feel burdened with. It should be a, an understanding of the opportunity. This is the last moment here. It's glorious and wonderful and powerful. Grounded in that. Stopping that mental activity. 
Mark Nepo writes in, uh, and I don't, we don't have these in the bookstore because people ask me, but it's a wonderful book. I bought it a chapter. It's called Facing, yeah, we get a few in and they, they sell right away. Facing the Lion, be, Being the Lion, the L-I-O-N, the one that, that puts us the adrenaline state that we run away from. And he talks about going to uh, Barcelona to the World Parliament of Religions in 2004. And Dr. Irvin Laszlo was up talking about oneness. And he said, oneness and how our very presence influences each other. When we take these principles and we live them and we're with one another and we're out in the world and we're lifters upper, it, it, they don't just remember us intellectually. We, they're looking for us next time we come in. How being influences, how being influences being. Our being influences being. These are not arguments to persuade, but glimpses of the fabric of life from which to draw vitality and strength. It is becoming more and more evident that we have an innate call to find each other and join. It's that intimate relationship at that spiritual level. To begin with, it is now well established that when placing two living heart cells from different people in a Petri dish, they will over time find a third common beat. We're always communicating. Those cells are always communicating. There's intelligence there. There's communication going on. Another example, when Archie and Betty, who are intimates, their partners, families, or friends, meditate together, their brain waves quickly harmonize. At this point, Archie is asked to meditate with a complete stranger, Petra. And amazingly, the state of harmonized brain waves is quickly imparted to the stranger. This suggests that the condition of intimacy is a catalyst for the experience of oneness. All of this infers that there is a cosmic unified field of presence very near to all of us that ranges from atoms to cells to souls. It's what Quimby knew. It's what Holmes talked about. It's what Bruce Lipton's talking about. This is a poet talking about it now. The crucial question then is how do we relate to this field? How do we tap into the energy and resources? I just gave you five examples. Thumbs up. Point the way. Flick it away if it doesn't work. Be a force. Thanks. I could, you got to yell it out really loud. Be a force. And appreciate the little things. So this explains it. As she says, isn't it, or he says, isn't this descriptive of the throng surrounding Buddha under the Bodhi tree? Or the hundreds gathered to hear Jesus at the Sermon of the Mount? Or the thousands following Gandhi's march of salt to the Indian Ocean? Or the millions crowding the mall in Washington to hear Martin Luther King Jr. give his landmark speech? Isn't this a mystery of self-organizing moments? of collective presence. So you and I are these millions and millions of cells and we are communicating internally and then we are communicating with one another and our level of being is so important. And so take your hand this week if you forget. Take it with you this week if you forget and use it and be that force for good, that's force for light and that's force for love that the world so desperately needs. So it is.